Welcome to the Grace City Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Ephesians 6, 10. As I said, we're continuing in our series, Take Your Stand. It's based out of the armor of God, knowing that God has called us to be strong in His mighty power and to put on the full armor of God. See, this armor enables us to take defense and offense against the enemy, against the war that's waging all around us. See, this isn't a war that we can see, but this is a war against rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces and the evil in the heavenly realms. And something I want us to understand today is this, that when you give your life to Jesus, and maybe today is your day and you're gonna give your life to Jesus, or maybe you've been following for a while, what takes place is, is you become the opposition to the enemy. See, the person who was once on the enemy's side, when they get saved and set apart by God, you now become the opposition. You have put yourself in a place of saying, yes, I am standing against the enemy. So there is a true war. There is a true battle that takes place when we get saved. And this is the good thing that God says, listen, I wanna prepare you for battle. I wanna arm you for battle. I wanna give you the tools and I wanna get you ready because there is a war, there is a battle. But we know that God is all-powerful, and he's already won. So how do we in this life stand up and fight? If you've missed the first two installments of this, be sure to jump back on the podcast and listen to it because these aren't really fun messages that you're gonna leave super encouraged from. These are messages to equip you for the war that we're facing day in, day out. So don't come underprepared for the battle. Make sure that you catch up and you know all the different pieces and the importance of them. I can tell you what, I've never done this deep of a study into the armor of God. And as I'm unfolding it, I'm realizing this is absolutely imperative for our faith journey in the war that's in front of us. Amen. So Ephesians 6 verse 10 says this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in its place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I also want to read Isaiah 52, 7. It says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring the good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that even though it was written to a certain group of people at a certain time, Lord, it can mean something to us today. It can empower us and enable us to live out all the things you've called us to live out. Help us to be aware of the war around us. 
Help us to take our stand. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. The title of my message today is Get Ready, Get Set. Get ready, get set. Come on, bump the person next to you and say, get ready, get set. Come on, tell the other person, get ready, get set. I want to let you in a little bit of a secret of mine, something that many of you wouldn't know. I doubt really anybody, maybe besides my wife in this room, know this. For the last five years, at the top of my notes app in my iPhone, I have had a note pinned at the very top that's titled Full Circle Faith. This pinned note has been there for five years, and it was a sermon that I wrote five years ago. And I have never used it, and it sits right at the top of my notes every single day for the last five years. You might ask why. Let me fill you in on it. It was about five years ago where I was the creative pastor of a mega church up in the Northwest. There was about 5,000 people and four campuses that I oversaw all the creative arts, the communication, production, all of those things. This was, this was my role at that, at that church. And so we would stream the pastor from one location to the other three locations. And this one Sunday, I remember I was at one of the, the broadcast locations. We were receiving the pastor's sermon over video. And as I'm getting off the stage, coming to the front to listen to the message, there was a windstorm happening outside and the internet got cut out at the other location. And so about five minutes into the message, the pastor just stopped and it went black. And I remember this moment so vividly. The campus pastor got up on the stage and then began to have to preach a message from memory. My Heart was in my feet. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was absolutely distraught in this moment. What is he going to say? Like, what do you think of in that moment? Like, all you have is John 3.16. Like, what are you going to say? You know what I'm saying? Like, most believers would be terrified in that moment. Well, he kind of made his way through. It was the shortest message I've ever heard. And then he calls the band up, and we finished with extended worship, as you do in church, just to kind of get through. You know what I'm saying? But it was two weeks later that uh, I was at our broadcasting location and I'm sitting on the front row and the pastor gets about halfway through his message and he stops and he puts his mic down and he just says to the campus pastor on the front row, he goes, I'm going to go throw up. You come up and finish my sermon. I was like, what in the pastor, the campus pastor comes up and has to preach the rest of his sermon. Again, the shortest sermon you've ever heard in your life. And he calls the band up and we do this thing. And I remember thinking, man, I never want to be in that position for the rest of my life because I realized if the campus pastor had been out of the room, I would have been the next one up and he would have called me up to preach and it would have been terrible. I was just singing songs at that point. I wasn't preaching messages. So that Monday I got up, went to Starbucks, wrote a message that I titled Full Circle Faith. And it has sat at the top of my notes for the last five years because I want to be a person who's prepared in and out of season. See, I never want to be put in a place where I'm underprepared. I know without a shadow of a doubt that if I were in a setting where I had to preach a last-minute message, I would be ready. That feeling of being underprepared is just way too scary for me. And more than that, there's too much at stake for me to back down when my assignment as a pastor to preach the good news. 
There's just too much at stake for me to shy back. Oh, I'm not prepared for this. There are souls at stake every time that we grab the mic, every time that we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. So I've made the decision. I'm gonna be ready in and out of season. I've made the decision in my life to always be ready to do the work of the Lord rather than wait for someone to tell me to get ready. Why? Because the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is here and now. I'm not gonna approach the harvest with my hands in my pocket waiting for the fruit to fall off the tree at the perfect time, like hopefully it'll happen. No, I'm gonna come out with my hands ready and able and I'm gonna pull and I'm gonna get the fruit in the harvest time when it is ready. Come on, we have to be prepared. This is what I'm alive for. This is my purpose on this planet, to tell everyone about Jesus. So it doesn't even phase me to think that I would have to preach or tell someone about Jesus. Why? Because I'm prepared. I'm prepared. Come on, we gotta get ready. We gotta get set. Come on, we're called into this preparation in Ephesians 15. This piece of armor says this, with your feet fitted, everyone say feet fitted, with the readiness, everyone say readiness, that comes from the gospel of peace. Say gospel of peace. So we see these three things coming into correlation with each other. That we need to have the feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Let's pull this apart. See, there's a distinct call with this piece of armor more than others. This is something that we have to be ready in and something we have to be set in. And it says that we need to have the feet fitted with readiness. And that word fitted, you're going to see it up behind me in the Greek language, simply means to put on sandals or be ready for action. So it's saying, listen, you need to have your feet fitted. You need to be putting on the sandals and be ready for action. And when Paul was writing this, we've said this the last couple of weeks, you can picture him getting the imagery from the Roman soldiers and pulling from it and saying, this is why I need to display it in this way so you understand what's happening. And so you can kind of picture the Roman sandals that would have had hobnailed shoes where they would have had nails on the bottom coming out, or at least like golf shoes to the point where they have sure footing in battle. And see, to put on these shoes could be to under, understood as believing the promises of the gospel and counting them to be true for you. So I'm believing the promises of the gospel. I'm believing what Jesus came, what he did, what he spoke, and I'm believing for them to be true. I'm going to fit them on and I'm going to be ready for it. See, it's faith in these promises that yields peace in the Christian life. And as well as there's this picture of locking your feet deeply and firmly into the ground and being ready and set. This comes from the understanding of his word. This comes from the memorizing of his word. This comes from the studying of his word and spending time with his word. So that the gospel of Jesus isn't just an idea that we live by, but rather who we are. See, the gospel of Jesus is not just an idea of what we live by. It's who we are. Amen, church? Come on, church, we see the visual power of this scripture and how it tells us to plant our feet and not be moved, especially for us in such a broken world where the war on truth has taken its stand in every sphere of our world. Even in churches, you see whimpering and terror to preach the truth of God as the truth of God. We see morals and convictions softened to adapt to culture. Come on, Grace City Tampa. We might be shaken, but we will not be moved. We will be believers that are ready and set. 
We will be believers that take our stand, find our footing, determine who we will be before the fight comes. We will be fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. I don't wake up every day, go into my closet and find the shoes that are like labeled the gospel of peace and put these, you know, dripping shoes on my feet. No, what's taking place is we're understanding this imagery, this, this metaphor that's, that's happening here. That we're planting our feet in the ground. And we're being ready for whatever comes our way. Come on, get ready, get set. Get ready, get set. Let's keep studying this passage. So your feet fitted with the readiness. That word readiness is simply defined as the preparation, promptness, or eagerness. So we need to have a promptness to us. We need to have preparation to us, and we need to be eager to it. We need to be pursuing it. This isn't waiting for somebody to tell you. This is on you saying, you know what? I'm eager to be prepared. And the last one is the gospel of peace. The gospel simply means the good news or the message of salvation. It describes us sharing the stories of the word of God. Really, I wanna make it clear, that's all we're doing here at Grace City Tampa. Our goal is to preach Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. Paul says it like this, I preach Christ and Christ crucified. That's why at the end of every service, we're gonna pray the sinner's prayer together. That's why at the end of every service, we're gonna give an opportunity to, for people to give their life to Jesus. Why? Because we're preaching Christ and Christ crucified. Whether you're coming to him for the first time or you're returning to him, we wanna bring you into alignment of what Jesus has done for you and the life you can now have in him. This is the gospel message. But I love this because it doesn't just say the gospel, readiness that comes from the gospel. It says the gospel of peace. That word peace, shalom, means state of well-being with God. State of well-being with God. So we can understand this as the peace between God and man. The gospel of the peace between God and man. Are you with me, church? See, why is the gospel the peace? It's because Jesus was sent to a cross to die for our sins as the perfect atonement for us. He closed the gap. He closed the striving. He closed the turmoil to follow God. He, the Lamb of God, stepped in, became the way, the truth, and the life so that we could have access to God forever. See, what was once separation because of our wickedness now has been bridged by Jesus Christ. So we can see it as we have the gospel message of the state of well-being between God and man. That's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to be the way, came to make atonement for us. So of course, the gospel is the gospel of peace. See, this greatest story ever told is our mandate. This is why we're alive. This is why we have breath. We're gonna proclaim the greatest story ever told. The problem is, most people are just okay to know enough. They're just okay to make sure that they feel good enough about their life. The problem is the cease to learn. And we oftentimes can get to the place where we think we're good enough to sustain. I believe that's detrimental to our feet being fitted with readiness. My boys, every single Sunday morning, want to come to church early with me. And every Sunday, Manny and I are the first ones here in the building. We wanna get here, pray over the building. We open up the doors and greet everybody as they walk in. 
So that means that I have to wake my boys up at 5 a.m. every single Sunday morning. And every time I go inside that room, I wake them up and they bounce out of their bed as fast as they can. They run over, I get them all their clothes, they get them all on, they're so excited to go every single time. I sit them down, help them put their socks on, tie their shoes, make sure they brush their teeth, make sure that they brush their hair. Are you with me? I'm doing all the things. I make sure that they get some food and drink some water. I'm helping these boys be ready. Why? Because they are children. They need assistance. They need guidance. They need help. But listen, they are just that, children. If they were teenagers and I was having to do all of those things for them, I would be concerned that I was babying them. I would call them up to new levels of maturity. And in the same way for me, I'm not a child. I'm a self-starter. I take care of myself. I brush my own teeth. I put on my own shoes. I feed myself. Are you with me, church? So do we see this? See, so many believers are drinking the milk of other people. They're okay with staying in infancy place of being spoon-fed the gospel when there is a call to ready yourself, to be prepared yourself, to run the race yourself. Come on, this is on everyone. My job as a pastor is not to get up here and blow your mind with the word of God every week. Can I tell you, I won't do that. But my job as a pastor is to bring us into alignment with the truth of God, to encourage you, inspire you, and spur you on in the faith and say, hey, this is the direction we are taking as a church. Let's go together. Come on, I'm not here to, to blow your mind with God's word. I'm simply here to lead you in the path and show you the way. This is on everyone. Each and every one of us should have our own enlightening, mind-blowing moments with God every single day. You want to know the best part? The best part about your mind being blown when it's just you and God is the fact that he gets all the credit, not a pastor. He gets all the credit, not a leader. That's the point of it all. But humanity somehow just like kind of sucks up this whole like, oh, the pastor said this and I'm gonna live off that. No, like God should, every day when you open the Bible, it should be blowing your mind and going, God, thank you for revealing yourself, your mysteries, your goodness to me day in, day out. I just wanna follow after you more. I just wanna be ready for whatever you have for me, amen. We have to get ourselves ready. We have to get ourselves set. We need to know the gospel of peace. I'll tell you, opposition will come. People will attempt to tear apart your belief system. They will attempt to disrupt your theology and your doctrine. Even in the storms of life and the hardships of life come right after your belief system every time and make you question God. But the people that waver and whimper in the pushback are the people who have only ever been drinking and eating the regurgitated gospel of peace from others. The people that whimper and waver in their faith are the people who have only ever been drinking and eating the regurgitated gospel from others. You gotta have your own faith. You gotta plant your feet. Firmly plant them in the ground and say, I am ready with the gospel of peace. This is my faith. This isn't someone else's faith. Come on, his word tells us in Psalms 34 that we gotta taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Come on, this is your experiencing of the gospel of Jesus for yourself. Not through the experiences of others, but rather your own dedication and volition. We have to taste and see. Come on, let it be yours. 
And when we do that, we operate in the 1 Corinthians 16 kind of power when it comes to the lies of the world and the storms and the trials. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, be on your guard, stand firm in the faith and be courageous and be strong. Why? Because we've tasted and seen the goodness of God. We know he's good and faithful. So now I can be on my guard and I can stand firm in faith. And that leads us into Psalm 62 kind of power. Truly my soul finds rest. Come on, how many of you need rest in this place? Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly he is the rock. My salvation, he is my fortress and I will never be shaken. But if you don't have the experience for yourself, if you don't taste and see for yourself, then you're never going to get to the place where you can be on your guard and stand firm in your faith and you'll never get to the place where you trust God enough to find rest in him. Not in the world. Not in the things of yourself. So whether this is your first time hearing this challenge to pursue God for yourself or you've heard this a thousand times, I'm sure countless of you in this room have heard this a thousand times. Let's run the race. Let's pursue God like never before. Can I challenge us, church, myself included? In the same way that you have the habit of putting on your shoes in the morning, in the same way that you would brush your teeth before you leave the house, in the same way that you eat food, in the same way that you drink water to nourish your body, can we have the same intentionality with the word of God? the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Come on, we have to treat it like it's our daily bread. Why? Because it is. It's our daily bread. We have to treat it like if we left the house without spending time with the Lord, people would look at us like we don't have our pants on. For real. We got to come with that kind of urgency. I would never leave the house without my pants on. Maybe. But that's the same urgency. It should be that much of a dedicated part of our day that we go, there's no way I would leave my house without spending time with God. Acknowledging the Holy Spirit. Come upon me afresh today. Empower me to do the work of the ministry today. God, whatever you want to do, I'm available. Fill me up to overflowing today. How much more important is it to be made ready with the gospel of peace? I'm going to invite the band up. It was over a year ago. I was in this very auditorium. I was preaching a message, talking about salvation. And after service, when I came down these stairs, I encountered this guy who came straight up to me. Now, there's a lot of times where people will come up to me and chat and want prayer for something, but this guy came and he had a mission. And he stopped me and he's like, hey, I, I wanna talk to you about what you said. And I was like, oh, well, okay, here we go. And he pulls me aside right over by this naked statue. Don't look, okay. And he pulls me aside and, and he begins to challenge my doctrine on salvation and on sanctification. He begins, he begins to push back harder than I've ever had somebody push back on something. And he was intense. Like this wasn't just a conversation. Anytime I would say something, he had 20 scriptures to back up the idea that he was saying. And I was like, well, this is how I see it and this is how I've experienced it. And this is, you know, my, my simple understanding of this. And he would come back and just fight right back for it. I did one of these. T, bro, time out. Calm down. I said, let's finish this conversation somewhere else. This isn't the place, this isn't the time. I remember he left. I went home that week and I started to study. I started diving into the things that I was saying and I was even more sure in my faith. 
I was even more sure in the things that I could say. I'm a pastor, okay? And I was like, I gotta go make sure what I'm saying is right. Like this guy had a lot to say. And as I continued to explore, I go, man, absolutely. I 100% believe in what I was saying. So I sent him a text, said, hey, I would love to meet up with you in a public place so you can't go crazy on me. Would love to meet up with you. I would love to chat about all these things that we talked about. He didn't respond. He didn't come back to church. And we weren't able to talk over these things. But something took place in me after that because I'd never been cornered to that level before where someone was that intense and wouldn't relent in pushing back against my beliefs. So I started doing a deep dive, watching videos, studying, reading more. I wanted to make sure that everything that I was saying and believing was true, that I knew how to back up what I was saying, that it wasn't just through the experiences of others, it was my own. So I started diving in even deeper and feeling sure in my faith. And don't you know, it was probably six months later, I'm sitting in King State before we had offices and I'm writing my sermon and a friend walks through the door with his friend from out of town. And they, they walk in and they grab their coffee. I go and greet them. And they came over and sat down and I just thought they were gonna hang until they got their food and leave. But then my, my friend's friend sat across from me right down and he goes, so you're a pastor, huh? It's like, oh, yep, here we go. <laughs> and he begins to question every single part of my faith. How can you stand in front of people and tell them to be generous with their money? How can you tell people that they'll be saved? This guy knew the word of God in, in many ways better than me. And he would say, he would, everything that I would say, he would fight back with the word of God. And I gave the best, question, best answers to these questions I could possibly give. And some of them I even said, man, you know, I don't fully know how to answer that right now. I would love to chat with you later about it. We got to the end of the meal. He put his hand on the table. I'll never forget, he was so intense. I was exhausted. He put his hand on the table. He goes, I would go to your church if I lived here. I was like, okay. He stood up and he walked out. And later he told my friend, I think all the ways that he answered that was exactly the best way he could have answered that. Now, I don't think I would have gotten there if a year before I wouldn't have been quartered in the way I was and challenged in the way I was to be ready, to be able to stand my ground when people come at me, when people wanna question my belief, when people wanna question my doctrine I had stood firm. Because you know what happens when you get ready? And you know what happens when you get set? You go. When you get ready and when you get set, the next step is to go. I remember growing up in a small town and weekly we'd get all the neighborhood kids together and we'd do a weekly race outside and we'd get chalk out and we'd make a line and we'd set an end goal and we'd all get in the line and we would get ready and we would get set and someone on the end of the line would say get ready get set go and we would take off and the goal was always to win the race come on there is action that takes place when you are ready when you are set 
You're setting yourself apart. And let me tell you, each and every one of us has our own sphere of influence that God wants to use us to proclaim the gospel of peace. My friend Justin, even this last week, told me that his boss asked him to step in and do a Bible study in his workplace. Can I tell you, each and every one of you have a sphere of influence to proclaim and preach the gospel of peace. We gotta get ready, we gotta get set, and we have to go. Come on, Romans 10, 15. How can I preach unless they are sent? And Isaiah 52, 7 says, how beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring the good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Come on, we have been sent with the message of salvation, the gospel of peace from God. We have to know it, we have to live it, and we have to fight with it. Come on, church, we have to know it, we have to live it, we have to fight with it. Come on, would you say it with me? We have to know it, we have to live it, we have to fight with it. Come on, would you declare it? We have to know it, we have to live it, we have to fight with it. Come on, one more time. We have to know it, we have to live it, and we have to fight with it. Come on, we gotta go. Get ready, get set, it's time to go. It's time to go. We can't waste another breath. We can't waste another encounter with our coworkers. We can't waste another moment with our family members. Today you're gonna get around a group of people for a Mother's Day celebration and some of them might need to know the gospel message. Don't wait. Today is the day of salvation. The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is now. We gotta get ready. We gotta get set. We gotta go. Come on, it's not in our strength but in the strength and power of God. Psalm 62. Truly my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from Him. He's the rock of my salvation. He's my fortress. I'll never be shaken. Come on, this is His armor. This is His armor that He gives to us. It's in His strength that we will not be shaken. It's in His strength that He is our fortress. Amen. You can stand to your feet. There's a story in the New Testament where Jesus sends out the 72 to go and proclaim the gospel, to go and heal the sick, cast out demons. And I, I wanna pick up the story in Luke 10, 17. It says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And he replied, this is the words of Jesus. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And I love that rebuttal to them. First of all, they're, listen, God, even the demons submit to us. And Jesus goes, Look, what are you talking about? I saw Satan himself fall like lightning. Snakes and scorpions will be trampled under your feet. He says that to overcome and all the power, to overcome all the power of the enemy, nothing will harm you. Of course you cast out demons. Of course they were submitted to the name of Jesus. But I love this. He says, however, 
do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. What's the true miracle here? The true miracle isn't the casting out of the demons. The true miracle is eternity written on the hearts of these people. The true miracle and the reason demons were cast out is so that person could be saved. The true reason that people were healed was so that they could find salvation in Jesus and their names could be written in heaven. Are you with me, church? Come on, even Jesus, when he goes to heal some of the sick people, he says, stand up and walk. Your sins are forgiven. Come on, the true miracle is the redemption from your sins. The true miracle is names written in heaven. Come on, church. We have to be ready. We have to stand our ground. We have to take our stand. We got to put on the full armor of God, and we got to fight back. We know that Jesus has already won. We know he's victorious. He has already overcome all the work of the enemy. So do not fear. Walk into this battle with courage. Walk into this battle with faith. Stand your ground firmly planted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace so that salvation can come to everyone in the greatest miracle of all. Spend eternity with God. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. You might have heard me speaking today. And you hear this idea that the greatest miracle people's names written in heaven. And maybe this moment for you, you go, man, I, I know for a, without a doubt that my name is not written in heaven. I want to give you a moment just to respond because it's as simple as this. The Bible says if you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he rose from the grave, you will be saved. So it's as simple as that. If you go, man, I I do believe in what you're saying. I see the power of Jesus. I understand his purpose and how he came to make us right and bridge us to the Father. So maybe you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time or maybe you want to return to him right now. You've been wandering and living for yourself. And right now you say, yeah, today, I want to give my life back to Jesus and pursue him. I'm going to count to three at the count of three. There's nothing special about the counting. It's just giving you an opportunity and one moment just to raise your hand and acknowledge that you believe Jesus is Lord. One, know that God loves you so much he sent his one and only son so that you could know true life and know the greatest miracle of all. The Bible says today is the day of salvation, so don't wait any longer. Two, three, if that's you, would you just raise your hand? Anybody want to give their life to Jesus in this place? Want to return to him just a moment longer? beautiful. Would you all look up at me? My ultimate goal every week is that of course we would love people to come into salvation. But my goal every week is that Monday to Saturday, the moment you leave this building, that's where people are saved. It's, I mean like they can come into church and get saved and we want to leave room for that, but that's not our purpose. It's not to create a service where it's like perfectly propping people up to a moment of emotionally raising their hand in this moment. No discipleship and nurturing and loving from each and every one of you. Come on, you've been given a mandate. You have a purpose and the greatest miracle of all is names written in heaven. 
So we can't forget that. We have to be ready. We have to be set. And we have to go. We have to be ready. We have to be set. We have to go. So right now, just in your own words, would you just maybe put your hands out in front of you, just any kind of way that you want to respond, you can put your hands up. And just in your own words, would you just tell God that you're available? You're available to learn more. You're available to grow. Just open your heart to say, God, speak to me, move in me. Lord, I pray that as people are responding right now, that the gospel will come alive to them more than ever before. I pray, Lord, in their moments of quiet time in the morning, that they would experience you and, and know the gospel and be ready and be set. Help every person in this room to have the same urgency that they would with any other thing in their life, if not more, to understand that this is our daily bread. Prepare us, set us apart. Help us to be all that you've called us to be. Thank you for listening to the Grace City Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.